Starring Bela Day in... But, Ma, that's my favorite movie. Oh, well, all right. But don't you spend too much time in front of that TV. Do you hear me? Yes, Ma. Hello, everybody. How have you been doing? I seriously mean that. How have you been doing? Because I know I'm slipping in here like I haven't done an episode for three weeks, but I'm back. And I have actually been super, super excited for the episodes this month. So I have some making up to do because of course, the regular scheduled program is for me to put out an episode every week, every Thursday. But your girl's been slacking. But I think I'm back on the right track and I am ready to talk about some movies with you but I do hope in my absence you were able to enjoy the other 65 episodes that I have out which I have to remind myself that is an accomplishment I am 65 episodes into a podcast that I wasn't sure how far I would end up going. And with this idea that I had, which was a year ago, um, you know, you kind of never know what things can lead to. And this has really been a passion project and it's been something for me to creatively do. And I've just been so adamant about being consistent with this podcast and to not give up because sadly, I have started other things and I have not been consistent. And to be honest, like I have two other podcasts and I haven't even been updating those, but this one has been updated the most. Um, And of course, one other podcast that I have, my No Bake Motivate, there's still things I want to do with it. I'm just trying to figure out what direction I want to go. And i been kind of dealing and battling with that but this is a podcast that I have the structure set for it I know what I want to talk about it's easy for me to come up with ideas for it it's a niche it's straight to the point I know what I'm going to be talking about I know how I'm going to arrange it you know I've worked really really hard on this podcast so I appreciate anyone that is still rocking with me, who is excited whenever they see that I've updated an episode on my podcast or anyone who, let's say y'all have gone back and listened to other episodes again, or even if you have told people about this podcast and maybe got someone on it, I appreciate all of you because I know I do for sure have some consistent listeners with this podcast. And so I'm very happy about that. And I apologize for being gone all this time, but I am back. And just know, sometimes I do just need to take a break because maybe my creative will is just not spinning and I need to dust it off and clean it and, you know, make it shiny again, make it look pretty and then clean up every all the other clutter around this will. Um, But bear with me and just know that this is something that... I'm promising myself that I want to be consistent with. So you don't have to worry about me just leaving and never coming back. 
Um, but yeah, so that's just a little bit of information in case anyone was worried about me. I am good. I'm well, you know, I've had some, I've had a few bumps in the road, but it's not going to deter me from doing what I really want to do because at the end of the day, this is the most creative I get to be in my life right now. So this is something that I'm going to make sure I stick with for a while. Now, let's get into what you're here for. So, welcome to my podcast, but Ma, that's my favorite movie. And if you didn't know already, I am your host, B. Lede. Now, normally I do that in the beginning, but I got a little sidetracked and I just felt like I really wanted to just dive into, you know, I really wanted to address the elephant in the room, if there is an elephant in the room for you. But if you are a new listener, I normally start off with welcoming my podcast. And then I also let you know what this podcast is about, because if you are new, let me tell you how it works. Now, I grew up in the blockbuster era where it was fun to go rent movies. So I'm excited to share with you the many, many movies I have seen when I was younger. Now, whether you're hearing about a movie for the first time or going down memory lane with me, my job is to bring you two movies that fit into a different theme each episode. You should also know there will be multiple parts to majority of these themes, Because more than likely, I have way more movies that could fit under that theme, but I try to consolidate and simplify each episode instead of bum rushing you with like a bunch of different movies that I'm like, hey, you need to watch. All right. Now, even though the movies I discuss will more than likely be older, when I tell you the summary, I normally don't like to spoil the ending in case you've never heard of it. And let's say after you hear me talking about it, you actually want to watch it. So you are in for a treat today, which I hope will keep you coming back for more. Now, remember that part where I said that normally you're going to see multiple parts to um, certain themes that I've talked about. Well, this is one of those episodes, actually. This episode is titled, But Ma, That's My Favorite Artist in a Movie, Part 2. We talked about this before, which was actually episode 15, where we talked about the movies, Deliver Us from Eva, and Poetic Justice. And, and in that episode, we were highlighting rappers, which we had LL Cool J and Tupac Shakur. And actually, in Poetic Justice, we got two artists in that movie. So that was like a really good one for that episode. We had a rapper, which was Tupac Shakur. And then we had a famous singer who was Janet Jackson. Um, so I thought that was really cool. And this episode is going to be a little bit similar to that, but not really. Um, but yeah, so we have some. So if you want to check out the first part, which was episode 15, you can definitely do that. Um, none of these episodes that I do can have to be listened to in order, except sometimes I may talk about something in one episode and then I'll say I'll reference a different episode. But yeah, they can pretty much be listened to in any order. 
but let's go ahead and do some house cleaning first. So before we get into the theme, I want to let you know about our social media and our website. Um, I'm available on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. So please follow any of the pages where you will get a sneak peek about upcoming episodes, which I do with the game called Guess the Theme slash Movies. My website is butma.that'smyfavoritemovie.com. And on that website, you can write reviews, you can give movie or theme suggestions, which is a huge thing. I am definitely open to people suggesting movies they would like to hear me talk about, or maybe they have a theme they would like me to talk about. And let's say, for example, if you're like, hey, what about this theme? And I have these two movies. I'm definitely open to that. Now, I can't guarantee it, but if you come up with something good, I will definitely do my best to try to slip it into my current schedule because I do actually have a schedule so it depends on what it is and if I can be able to slip it in or maybe I I may want to wait at a later date so definitely still hit me up if you have any ideas now all of the handles to the social media and link to the website are in the show notes slash description box below make sure if you're loving the episodes to give us a review on apple Podcasts slash the website and if you do you'll get a shout out on one of my episodes all right so let's go ahead and get into this theme so as i mentioned before this is a theme that has been done previously and now we're doing a part two so we're just delving into artists who then switched over into another branch into the artistic world by venturing into acting. And of course, by artists, this has a wide range, which it could be a rapper, singer, musician, just someone who initially started their career in music before they got into film. All right, so let's go ahead and get into it. So let's get into the first movie here, Light, Camera, Action. The worst thing is that he made me move out here where my children are in a school with only one other black kid so they won't be improperly influenced. Well, guess what, John? You're the motherfucking improper influence. Get your shit. Get your shit and get out. Oh, boy. Uh, That quote is by my girl, one of my favorite actresses to ever grace the screen is Mrs. Angela Bassett, who plays the character Bernadette Harris. Now, let me tell you something about that. Okay, that was the quote that I did was just a snippet of a whole monologue that she did in this like one entire scene. And let me tell you this. Every time I hear her spew out her lines... I get chills every time I see that freaking scene. I get chills and it never fails every time because the power that she put into that was so real. And to be honest, the power she puts into any of her roles that she's ever done is so real and it's so authentic and it's so emotional and it just grips you and it holds you there and it forces you to face what she's going through with her No matter how much you would want to look away or, you know, not feel anything, you cannot help it. She is so 
captivating with her words and her spirit and her emotions. And Angela Bassett, let me tell you this. she She's one of my favorite actresses. And um, I don't know why. It's kind of making me emotional talking about her. Um, this is weird. I don't think anyone's ever made me emotional on this podcast. <laughs> Or maybe because of what I'm going through and talking about my favorite actress it probably doesn't help, but, um, she is so amazing. And if I do not feel as though she's gotten her flowers, like she needs to get her flowers while she's able to smell them. And she deserves so much credit for the work, um, that she has done. And she's just, oh, she's just such an amazing woman. And, I really, really hope, and that is one of that is a dream of mine to meet her. And I would love to have so I would love to ask her so many questions, but I think I would be a puddle of mush if I met her. I wouldn't be able to talk. I wouldn't be able to say anything. I think I would just be in shock. But um, yes, she deserves her flowers. She is absolutely to me. She is top tier when it comes to acting. And she just deserves her flowers. And I know she probably won't listen to this or let's hope or let's put into the universe. Maybe she does listen to this. Um, And if she does, I just want to tell her how much I love her and how much she has influenced me and how when I look at things that she does, I wish I was as great as she was. And, And she's so influential and she's so inspiring. And and she's amazing. Oh my God. You look up pictures of Angela Bassett, you will be shocked. You will not think she is the age that she is. She looks absolutely amazing. But yeah, let me go ahead and move on from that. Okay, so this movie was released December 22nd, 1995. The writers of this movie, um, we actually have one screenplay writer, which is Ronald Bass. And he actually wrote My Best Friend's Wedding and Rain Man. It's so funny when you see the works of different writers. And this is why I like to mention them, not only because of the fact that I'm an aspiring screenwriter myself, but I feel like writers do deserve credit as well. And normally the face of movies are the director or the actors or the and the actresses, but I want to give just due to other people who are involved as well. And I feel like writers are a huge part of, of the final product of a movie. You know, if you don't have a script, you don't have a movie. I mean, you can improv, but you know, sometimes things require a structure. Um, but yeah, so seeing these writers and even for me, I, I get to see different movies that they have written. And sometimes you're like, oh, well, I've heard of that movie too. And wow, they did that one. And sometimes the genres are so different and, or, or just the people that they've worked with and, and, and just the concepts and it's just, it's crazy. So I always like to mention that. Now, this movie is actually based on a book. So this was initially a book and I wanted to do something because remember I told you, I forgot which episode I told you, but I'm going to tell you again in this one, every movie, there's like some staples of how, from where a movie has branched from. It is either a book, a video game, a comic book, 
or it could be an original movie, but it's a remake. Am I missing one? I don't know if I'm missing one. I feel like it's just these four. And what I wanted to do was to prove this theory to you is I wanted to basically kind of do like the four staples of where movies normally come from versus actual original screenplays to show you the amount of movies I've already done to say this, how many were books? This was a comic book. This was a video game. And I'm trying to think if I'm missing one. I feel as though I'm missing one, but maybe I'm not. So once again, this one's a book and maybe I'll do that in the next episode, but I don't know. I'm going to give you all that tally. Like I like to keep track of certain things. I'm kind of weird like that. I like to keep tallies and stuff. I mean, I like to keep, yeah, I like to keep tallies or like if I, if there's commonalities, I like to keep track of them. Like if I'm talking about like how many times I talk about this actor, how many times did these actors work together and so on and so forth. But anywho, so the movie is of the same title of the book and the author is Terry McMillan. And she also wrote Disappearing Acts. And there was actually a second book that was made after the first one of Wedding Takes Hell that follows the characters' lives 30 years later. And it followed them to show what their life was like after, of course, the first book. And this is what makes me sad is because it was actually rumored that there was going to be a sequel to Waiting to Exhale. And I remember hearing about this. This was some years ago. I want to say it was not too long before Whitney Houston had actually passed away. Because Whitney Houston is in this movie and she is the reason why she's, why we're doing it in this episode is because Whitney Houston is a legend, an icon, and she played in this movie. And basically there was a sequel called Getting Happy and we were going to follow all of these characters, which I'm going to get into the summer, but we were going to follow all of them in the next book, but they were going, this was going to be like 30 years later. So they were all going to be in their fifties because right now they're like in their late twenties, early thirties. And so we're going to be following them in their fifties in the sequel. And it would have been perfect because all of these actresses are around in their fifties anyway. So it would have worked perfectly, but unfortunately Whitney Houston passed away and I think that offer was taken off the table. I don't think they even wanted to touch it without her because technically her character didn't die. So, I mean, they could say that she died for whatever reason, but I think it was just one of those things where they just didn't even want to mess with it. And I actually respect that. But it would have been so nice to see all of these ladies in a movie again. But moving on, um, this movie was directed by Forrest Whitaker. And Forrest Whitaker is another top tier actor. And he was in movies like The Last King of Scotland and Lee Daniels' The Butler. All right, so let's go ahead and get into the summary since we were talking about it. And this movie... 
I'm going to have some side notes to the actual plot itself. And sometimes I really don't get into diving into the plot, talking about themes and concepts and how it relates to reality. But this is one of those movies where I am going to get into that. But first, let's go into the summary. So we have four women who are best friends and they're all facing relationship issues. We start off in the beginning where we hear the thoughts of each woman as they prepare for New Year's Eve. So we're jumping into a whole new year and we're seeing how people are preparing for it. Now we start with Savannah, who is a career woman who is moving from the city she's currently in to Phoenix. I'm hoping she will have better luck in finding a good man. And I hope I didn't get that wrong. I think the city she's moving to is Phoenix. But either way, she's moving. She's actually moving closer to her friends, I believe. And so, yes, uh, she is moving to Phoenix. And so, anyways, so her deal is she is hoping with moving to a new city that she's going to be around different men and she will have better luck in finding a good man. She does have one man in mind that she has been on and off with, um, but they've broke up because he's married. And I think it's that situation where she's tired of being the other woman, but she still cares very deeply for him and she feels this deep connection with him, but it can only go so far because of the fact that he's married and it doesn't seem like he's leaving his wife anytime soon. Then we have Bernadette, who is the only stay-at-home mom out of this group. Um, And she's always super busy between the kids and then helping her husband run his business. Until the night of New Year's Eve as she's getting ready to uh, join her husband on his, like, annual, like, New Year's Eve party with his business he actually springs the news that he wants a divorce and this actually catches her off guard and of course causes her a lot of pain since she has sacrificed so much from her husband for many years. And the quote from the beginning is actually a part of the monologue of after everything kind of settles down and she's really soaking in what's happened with between her and her husband and just really thinking about, you know, all the sacrifices she's made. Then next we have Robin, who is a complete babe, and she is struggling to find a good man as well that she wants to settle down with. And she, you know, she currently works as well, but like being a career woman is not her priority. She would rather settle down with a man. If he wanted to take care of her, she would let him. She would love to have kids, you know, be able to take care of the home. Kind of similar what Bernadette's situation is. She seems like she would dreams to kind of be in that situation and she currently has one man that she's been hanging on to as well who turns out to be married but she cares for him so much and just like Savannah has such a deep connection with him and really is having a hard time letting him go because she really wants to be with him but unfortunately he is married and the only thing with him is that when they are on a good track And she is thinking he's going to leave his wife. He will all of a sudden disappear. And then she just has to kind of deal with the emotions of still loving him and caring about him, but not knowing when he's going to come back. 
And then last but not least, we have Gloria, who only has one son. And the dad and her are actually divorced and they've been divorced for a while. And every year her son's dad comes by to see the son. And then it becomes a situation where her and the dad end up kind of rekindling for a little bit to sleep together. So it almost seems like he comes more for that than to see the son because the son is really not interested in being involved with him or building a relationship with him because he isn't he because he hasn't been there this whole time he only comes like once a year and then this allows Gloria to continue to hold on to him but of course after a while those type of things get old because we do discover something about her ex-husband now all these beautiful women want more than what they're getting so instead of giving up they do keep trying but as they do they have their own personal struggles, but they get to at least be vulnerable and have a shoulder to cry on or to lean on as they're trying to process and find that special person for themselves. Also, why healing from just these bad relationships or these toxic relationships um, that they have gone through because they all ha- have gone through something. And this movie is very powerful and it's very beautiful um, because I'm always, always about seeing black people in lead roles, especially black women, you know, being free, showing pain, because we have this perception that, you know, black is powerful because it is. Um, But we also misinterpret that to say that black people are constantly strong. Black people constantly are okay. Almost like black people only know how to be okay. And they're the strongest people and that's it. Just one perception. But we are also awkward. We also experience pain. We also experience trauma. And sometimes we're not always strong. Sometimes we can be weak because at the end of the day, we are just human, just like everyone else. And we feel emotions. And so what I really like about this movie, because to me and me looking at it from a different lens and what I like about watching some of these movies as an adult is because of my experiences, I get a different perspective of these movies. Of course, when I was younger, I looked at these movies at face value, but I didn't know what life was. I didn't know what heartbreak was. I didn't know what getting into a relationship was. I didn't know wanting to get into a relationship. Like I didn't understand these different aspects of life, of pain, of of real pain, of hurt, of trying and failing and winning. And When I watch these movies as an adult, I get to see them from a different lens. And it's like I get to watch these movies for the first time all over again because I'm actually understanding what I'm hearing. And so something that I observed from this movie is I feel like it says a lot about how the dating world began to change in the 90s. What do I mean by this? So because this movie is just about these women who are trying to find a good man, trying to 
maneuver these relationships that they're in. It's it's very telling to the dynamic of what dating meant and how it was changing. The definition was altering in the 90s. And even till this day, the definition of dating has changed. But I felt like we started to get into a major, major transition, different error in the 90s because internet was introduced. Technology was, you know, uh, more advanced technology was beginning to be introduced. So it is really changing what we knew dating as because we're so used to the set of rules, how it was back then, like everyone was dating to marry and that was slowly changing. And I felt like this movie is a good way of showing what it looked like now. So to kind of just back it up. So throughout history, of course, divorce wasn't a common thing. A lot of our grandparents, great grandparents, maybe great, great, great grandparents, we saw that they stuck together no matter what. And that getting married was a huge commitment. So it was like, once you're married, you're married. It doesn't matter if you're not happy. It doesn't matter if the other person cheated. It doesn't matter if the other person got sick. It just, those things were not factors. Once you're married, you're married. And it wasn't common for people to divorce. And whenever people dated, like I said, they had the intention of marrying that person. You didn't just go on multiple dates just to have fun, to let loose, to see what's out there. It was literally, I'm dating you. I'm going to court you. And the plan is to marry. And we didn't have that people were just dating for multiple years. Normally people kind of got straight into relationships and got married. Things happen more quicker. And then there wasn't even the hooking up. So we're not even dating. We're just going to have sex. It wasn't any of that. And marriage was always the goal. And then we enter into the nineties where things changed. And so then we start having a dating pool where people are not wanting to commit as much. People aren't talking about marriage as much. People aren't wanting to have kids, even though a lot of times people end up dating people, having kids, they never get married. And it seems like people are more comfortable with the idea of having a kid with someone than marrying them, which either way, it's a commitment. But when you think about having a kid with someone versus marrying them, with marriage, you can divorce. With a kid, you can never divorce each other. You will always have to be in each other's life no matter what. Because after you divorce in a marriage, you can easily go on your way, marry, have kids with someone else, and never have to talk to that person again. But with kids, they will always be in your life. On the same end as people not wanting to commit, we also have people who are married, but still want to date, still want to, you know, dip their toe into the pool to see what's going on. Or, you know, they want to go down the slide. They want to jump off the diving board. They want to... They want to go to the lazy pool. They still want to explore their options, even though they are committed to someone else. So you have just this just big old pool of just people who are either committed but not being loyal or people who who are not interested in staying committed to one person 
along with you not really having much loyalty to one person. So it's just a lot of the people not being loyal, people not being committed. And now, of course, we're entering into an era where hooking up has become more frequent. And so now we're changing the definition of what loyalty is. We're changing the definition of what commitment is. All of this is being redefined. And then it's also showing how desperate people can be for love and how they will look past bad habits or red flags just so they can say that they have someone on their arm, just to say that they're dating someone, just to say that someone is there, even though that person may not fully commit to them, that person may be married to someone else, that someone may have another girlfriend, that person may have all these red flags. You know, there's so many different factors, but people are so caught up in the idea of wanting to be with someone that they're willing to put up with those things. And so this movie is just such, to me, um, it's kind of a little bit before it's time. Um, now I know there was a time in movies where it started to show that start, it started to show people be more open, people be more, uh, open to just being sexual in relationships without being committed You know, it it was showing that a lot more, but I feel like this movie is like a real good realistic way of the transition or what it was starting to look like. And then also just dealing with women who are going through divorce, people who are already divorced and how they're dealing with dating people. Um, So this movie has just a lot of, lot of good stuff in it. Um, If you haven't heard of this movie, highly, highly recommend you check it out. Okay, so another point. Let's get into this. So there's actually a line that Bernadette says in this movie. And this is me more giving commentary onto one of the character's specific situation and how it kind of relates to real life. She tells Gloria, she says, I'm telling you, Glow, this is how women get screwed. Too lazy to look out for yourself that you put all your trust in your husband. Okay, so let me go ahead and give you a a recap. Bernadette is the wife who got a divorce sprung on her all of a sudden. And she had spent all of her marriage helping build her husband's business, even though she went to school, she got her master's, and she actually wanted to start her own business. So whenever she said this line, I couldn't help but to think that she was basically equating her sacrifice that she made to being lazy. And that actually bothered me because I think a lot of people who may have been or in this type of situation could easily chop their sacrifice, them sitting back, them helping their spouse to build themselves up to them just being lazy, them procrastinating, and them not taking care of themselves. And I don't like that. And I do not agree with it. Because first of all, ma'am, you helped your husband because you wanted to be there for him. Because first of all, that is what a true partner is. When you're in a relationship with someone, and you are partners to each other, You are making a choice to say, hey, I'm going to put my dreams on the back burner because I want to make sure your dreams come true. Because at the end of the day, 
his dream is also going to be beneficial to her because if he has an established business, then whenever it's her turn, she can create her business, but they're already established. And this is going to allow her to have the time and the energy and the dedication to what she wants to do because her husband's business has already been established. She didn't even think about getting a divorce. That wasn't even in her plan. She was thinking that I'm going to help you. And obviously they've had conversations where he made it clear like, hey, let's get this up and going and then we'll focus on you. And she trusted him to keep his word. She trusted him to be the partner she was to him for him to do that for her. That's what she thought because she thought she was in a marriage that they were there to help each other. And obviously he had other plans. And she didn't even initiate it. So when she says this line, it's disturbing to me because you cannot just minimalize what you've done for your family because you were the true partner. He wasn't. So you weren't lazy. You were doing what you felt needed to be done at that time. And that does not mean you were lazy about your dreams or that you just relied on him the whole time. It just meant you were a partner to him. You were what you were doing what you were technically supposed to be doing in this marriage. And you know, her situation is something that happens to many women. Whether you help them build the business, whether you're helping just taking care of the home and the kids, you are doing your part. And in whatever way that you and your husband or you and your wife have established your relationship, when you establish y'all's roles and what each person's going to do, you're going to expect them to follow through. And many women get caught in this situation and they feel terrible when it does end because then they look back to say, this is what I could have done. Why didn't I do this? Why didn't I do that? But at the end of the day, you know, if one person is falling out of love, if one person doesn't want to be in it with you anymore, the other person who wasn't expecting that, it's not your fault. You didn't think that was going to happen because a lot of people, I'm assuming when you get married, you're assuming this is going to be a forever thing. You're not thinking, well, maybe they'll divorce me. So let me do this. See, now my, my ass would do something like that. I'd be like, well, let me have a backup plan. Let me make sure I have this. Let me make sure I have that before something happens. But I would hope I would be so in love with someone that that's not even on my mind. But because we know the way people work, the stories that we've heard, horror stories of how people's relationships end and how, you know, people had someone or someone had nothing when they left the relationship because they didn't have anything when they went in. And, you know, they just relied on their spouse to take care of them while they did, you know, stuff, stuff for the house, stuff for the kids. And, and, and there has been the women, um, that have been there for their husband while they build something. And, and this is kind of a whole nother subject, but along with what I've been talking about, the women who have been there help, you know, building with their man and when their man becomes established then it's like they move on to what they think is something better something exotic they think that because now I'm in a different status I have more money I have 
like I'm in a different class, then I deserve to be with something that matches with that. And I mean, that's a terrible way to think because, you know, you always want to be down for the people who are down for you because when you decide to just move on, it's kind of like, well, how can you do someone who was there in the beginning for you go? Because I'm pretty sure that woman that you get with after her that you feel is an upgrade wouldn't have been with you in the trenches while you were trying to climb out of where you were at. Wouldn't be trying to help you, wouldn't let you stand on their back so you can get a head up to try to figure out what you need to do and, and, and to get into the place you're trying to be. But then people get to reap the benefits once you get there. But then the person who you leave behind has to deal with just just the after effects of it and figure out what to do with their life. So anyways, um, but Bernie was such a good wife and she was being there and she was playing her part and she was everything but lazy and she deserves better than him. And you know what? All I can say for people like that is karma has no mercy. And, and for anyone that has to experience that in real life, Trust me, that person is going to get theirs because you cannot treat people like that. You can't do people like that. That's not right. Okay, (laughs) I kind of went on a little tangent about that. But um, yeah, that that's my thoughts about that. But um, let me go ahead and just get into this cast, and then we just have a little um fun facts that we have here behind the scenes information. So let's do this. Um, Okay, so we have Whitney Houston who plays Savannah. You know, Whitney Houston was also in The Preacher's Wife and The Bodyguard. Then we have the Angela Bassett who plays Bernadette. She was in What's Love Got to Do With It and Black Panther. We have Loretta Devine. She plays Gloria. She was in Crash and the show Boston Republic. And she is also an original Dream Girl. And I talked about Dream Girl, I believe, in episode 33, which is the first episode of this season, which is But Ma, that's Nana's favorite movie. Now, keep in mind, she's not in the remake of Dream Girls, but the Broadway musical, she was the original Dream Girl in that. Then we have Layla Rashawn, who plays Robin. She was in Any Given Sunday, which we talked about in the sports episode. And she was also in the big hit. We have Gregory Hines, who plays Marvin. He was in Running Scared and on the show Will and Grace. We have uh, Michael Beach, who plays John. He was also in Soul Food. And I talked about Soul Food towards the end of last season as well. We have Donald Faison. We've talked about him multiple times. He plays Tariq and he was in the show Scrubs in the party episode I did. He was in the movie Can't Hardly Wait. He was also in my nostalgic episode I did, which was Clueless. And he was also in the interracial episode, which uh, the movie was something new. Then we have Dennis Hasbert, who plays Kenneth. He was in Far From Heaven and the show 24. Then we have Michael T. Williamson. And I'm so sorry if I'm butchering that. He plays Troy. He was in Forrest Gump and Fences. And then last but not least, he was uncredited, but he's a huge actor. Wesley Snipes plays James and he is Blade, okay, from, you know, the Blade series and New Jack City, which I talked about in my crime episode. 
All right, let's get into some fun facts. So first fun fact that we have, the car burning scene, which in that scene came my quote that I talked about earlier. Angela Bassett actually improvised that whole monologue. And once again, I get chills and it's because the authenticity of it. She just is freaking brilliant. And for my Housewives of Atlanta fans, in this movie, we have Kenya Moore and this was actually her debut. So if you love you some Kenya, this was her first movie that she was ever in. Then we have Whitney Houston and Michael Beach would reunite in Sparkle in 2012, which was actually Houston's final movie. And and that's so terrible. I, I really hate that, you know, Whitney Houston is not here today. All right. And then last but not least, uh, Forrest Whitaker stated in an interview with Ebony Magazine that Robin Givens and Holly Berry were among the women who auditioned for the role of Robin. After casting Angela Bassett and Whitney Houston, he decided to go with relatively unknowns for the other two roles. And the role of Robin was subsequently given to Layla Rashawn. And Rashawn, Berry, and Givens had all previously acted in Boomerang and had each shared love scenes with star Eddie Murphy. So I thought that was interesting. And Layla, I think, was absolutely perfect in this movie. So I'm glad he he went with an unknown for that. So let's go ahead and get into this next movie here. Light, camera, action. What the hell is you talking about? You ain't got no hair. What's he gonna do? Braid your scalp? Okay, so that quote, this isn't from one of the main characters in the movie, but that line was absolutely hilarious. I remember when I first saw this movie, I cracked up so hard at that line. And if I'm not mistaken, my other counterparts, other people who I've watched this movie with or have, or other people who have seen this movie, oh my God, we would die at that line. It was so funny. Something I've, as a joke, I don't think I've ever heard before. So yeah, it was hilarious. Now, this movie, in particular, we're going to be highlighting a rapper. And I'll go ahead and let you know, it's Queen Latifah, the queen. And let me give Queen Latifah her flowers because she is absolutely amazing. Um, What she did for hip-hop was amazing. And then what she brought to the acting world was just as good. She is a force to be reckoned with. And she's just such a great talent. Now, this movie was released March 30th, 2005. And the writers are Kate Lanier. And she also had wrote Glitter and Mod Squad. And then the other writer is Norman Vance Jr., who also was a writer for Roll Bounce. And then the director is Billy Woodroff. He also directed Honey and Addicted. All right, let's go ahead and get into the summary. So Gina, who is played by Queen Latifah, is a hairstylist and works for a high-end beauty salon that is ran by this man named Jorge, who she does not feel appreciates her and she doesn't really care for his pretentious attitude. So she has every right to feel how she feels because we get to see how he displays all of that. 
So the first time we see Gina working, she's doing a regular client here and her name is Joanne. And Joanne mentions how much she loves her products, but Gina tells her she must not say it out loud because Jorge will be upset if he finds out that she's using any other products other than the ones that he wants them to use. So Jorge ends up coming downstairs because I guess this is kind of a two-story salon, but I think the upstairs is for him. I don't think anyone else can go up there. And so he comes from downstairs onto the floor and Joanne is immediately praising Gina, like telling him basically, oh my gosh, she's such a gem. You know, where would you be without her? She's so good. And, and pretty much Jorge kind of ignores all these comments and he really doesn't think much of it or absorb it to say, oh my God. Okay. Thank you for letting me know. And then going to Gina, like, okay, you know, keep up the good work. So proud of you, blah, blah, whatever. He's just bypassing everything she's saying nice about Gina and he does end up going to the client and he is nice to her and he's being personable and all that all that good stuff now Gina can see how pretty much he ends up like throwing shade but this isn't anything that she's not used to now after that Gina and Lynn decide to go on their lunch break and Lynn is Gina's friend at the salon and she's actually a shampoo girl Now, during lunch, Lynn shows Gina her hairstyles that she did at a show recently. And Gina is really impressed by the pictures that she sees. And Gina ends up opening up about her dream of having her own beauty salon. And she actually promises Lynn a chair whenever she does end up opening up the the shop. And Gina also tells her that, you know, the whole reason she moved to Chicago is because her daughter got accepted into a musical school. And so pretty much she's putting her dream on hold just so she can, you know, make sure to be able to pay for her daughter's school. Now, we get a glimpse of of Gina's daughter's talent, which her daughter plays the piano and she's super good at it. And we find out that she got this talent from her dad who actually has passed away. Now, the next day, Gina is working at the shop. And while working with the client, Jorge tells her to prepare to work on another client, which is actually his. And Gina mentions to him like, okay, yeah, I'll get to that as soon as I'm done with, you know, her, who she's currently working on. Jorge pretty much makes it clear like he wants her to stop what she's doing to work on his client because this lady is one of the biggest clients that he has. And so she's like, okay, she changes her tune because she can tell by how he's acting like, okay, I'll get right on it because it sounds like that's what he wants to hear. So Gina thinks um, it would actually be a good idea that since she's working on Jorge's client, that Lynn actually finishes up the client that uh, she was working on. And she thinks everything's going fine because she's taking care of Jorge's client. And then the other client is still going to be able to get her hair finished. And so pretty much whenever Lynn is finished with the client's hair, along with Gina finishing Jorge's client, Jorge comes down and he sees that Lynn is working on hair instead of shampooing. And so he pulls Gina aside to see why she had Lynn working on that client. And so pretty much Gina explains that she needed the help and she figured it'd be okay since Lynn knows what she's doing with hair. And she actually ended up doing a really good job. So there was no complaint from the customer. 
there was nothing bad that happened out of, you know, what Lynn ended up doing. And Jorge makes it very clear to Gina that she basically cannot be assigning people different roles in his shop because that's his job. And if he tells them to do something, he wants them to do it. He doesn't want no one going back behind them, telling them to do something different. And pretty much Gina kind of looks at this like, like, you think you own me. You think you're better than me. And Jorge pretty much in a lack of better terms is like, yeah, well, I do. And it just shows how much he does not respect her. And so Gina decides she's going to quit because she's fed up with him. And she decides that she's going to go ahead and kickstart her, her dream into gear and go ahead and open her own shop. But of course, with trying to make your dreams come true, there comes its challenges, which she definitely has some challenges to deal with, with this new shop that she wants to open up. This movie is so funny. It's so funny. It's so good. Ugh, I love this movie so much. All right, let's go ahead and get into the cast. So we have Queen Latifah, who plays Gina. She was also in Just Right. And in another movie, I talked about Set It Off, which I talked about in the uh, Black movie episode. Then we have Alicia Silverstone, who plays Lynn. I talked about her in my Nostalgic episode, which is Clueless. In my Nostalgic episode... Uh, and the movie was Clueless, and she was also in the movie Crush. Then we have Jimon Hansu, who plays Joe. He was in Amistad and Guardians of the Galaxy. We have Andy McDowell, who plays Terry. She was in Groundhog Day and Four Weddings and a Funeral. We have Alfre Woodard, which is another one of my favorite actresses. She's absolutely brilliant and definitely someone who deserves to smell her flowers right now. She plays Miss Josephine. She was in Star Trek First Contact. And she was in my episode where I talked about my literal favorite movies. And and one of those was Crooklyn. We have Mina Suvari who plays Joanne. She was in American Beauty and American Pie. We have Della Reese who plays Mrs. Towner. So she was in Thin Line Between Love and Hate which I talked about in my uh, black movie episode as well and then she was also in Harlem Nights then we have Laura Hayes who plays Paulette Uh, she was in I Got the Hookup and she was a character on Martin and then last but not least we have Keisha Knight Pullman she plays Darnell and she was in the Cosby show and Medea goes to jail all right so here is some fun facts that we have the first one we have was this movie was originally supposed to be the third part to the popular barbershop franchise, but it formed its own title soon after. So if you've seen barbershop, I believe in the second one, Queen Latifah was in there. I don't know if she was in the first one, but yeah, they were thinking about just doing a third part to that series and decided to give her her own spinoff, which it, she deserved it. And it really worked. All right. The second fun fact that we have is the, this is actually the last Metro Goldwyn Mayer film to be released on VHS. And I don't know if I have anyone that isn't sure what VHS is, but basically it was almost like, like a large cassette almost. And you probably don't even know what a cassette is. Let's just say it was a much bulkier 
version of the DVD. Um, and then the last fun fact that we have is Jimon Hansu and Kimora Lee Simmons started dating two years after this film was completed and they actually had one son together, but they broke up in 2012. This movie, you have to check it out. Like, it is so hilarious. The jokes still hold up to this day. Queen Latifah, she does her thing like she always does. And they have these different comedians in this movie. And then they even had some actresses who aren't necessarily comedians, but the comedic timing is just so perfect in this movie. I love it. It's fun. It's light. And it's something different. So if you've not really seen a movie like this before, I would highly recommend you watch it. All right. Well, thank you guys so much for tuning in. You know what time it is. Um, Make sure to comment below if, if you plan on seeing these movies or if you already have, go ahead and share your thoughts. Also, if you have any other behind the scenes info or if you may have some corrections on what I said, then comment that below as well. Now, before I head out, I want to thank my listeners. If you are a returning listener, thank you so much for coming back. You're a real one, period. And if you're a new listener, thanks for stopping by and giving my podcast a chance. Well, you know what time it is. The show's over, the credits are rolling, and I'll see you at the next show time.